Have you checked out the Somebody You Love Patreon yet? For just $3 a month, you can get every episode without ads and you get them a day early. For $6 a month, you get all of our bloopers and behind-the-scenes action. For $10 a month, you get monthly bonus episodes. And for $20 a month, you also get the bonus episodes as videos. You can cancel anytime, and when you sign up, you get access to everything that we've posted so far. We also have annual subscriptions where you save 10% and get one month free. Patreon.com slash somebodyyoupod, as in podcast. You do have to type in the URL because Patreon hides 18 plus creators from the search, so you most likely won't be able to find us by searching. That's patreon.com slash somebodyyoupod. Welcome to Somebody You Love, or the sale of two titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. Before we start this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which we are recording. I'm on the land of the Ngunnawal people. Jenna is on Darug and Gundungurra land. We have Maria calling in from the land of the Wurundjeri people and Steve from the land of the Garigal people. Today on the show, we will be hearing from two patrons of the sex industry. This has been, since day one of the podcast, before we even released an episode, this has been the number one most requested thing for us for us to have clients on the show. We've had this requested by patrons, by friends, ever, people are constantly asking for it. And I was a little bit unsure about it at first because one of the goals of the podcast is was to provide a platform for sex workers and to to raise up the voices of sex workers. So I was a little bit like, oh, that's not really what we're going for. But it was so heavily requested. And, you know, as we talked through a lot of things, including misconceptions, like we realized there were so many misconceptions about clients. And while clients of the industry, are, you know, are not in the industry, they do have a place to a, a place to fill as as allies and as people who, you know, are supporting our work. And obviously, we are incredibly grateful for that because if we didn't have them, we wouldn't have jobs. So we put a call out on Patreon and asked if any of our patrons who have also been patrons of the sex industry were interested in coming onto the show. So today we will be hearing from Maria and Steve. Maria is a relative newbie to the scene and found the process of navigating her entry into the sex industry, a space that is very much often marketed towards men, eye-opening as a woman. She thought that she was going to be having a one-off experience with an escort to break the drought, but that has turned into a regular arrangement as a part of what they've dubbed her year of discovery. She's open with her friends about being a client and has found that she also has a role to play as a sex work ally, which we love. We love it. So hello. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Hey, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. As I said, I'm a really big fangirl (laughs) and very excited to finally meet you both. Absolute pleasure. We feel the same way. It's very cool to finally put a a face to the name and, and a voice to the name as well. Okay. Maria, what inspired you to engage with sex work for the first time? Well, I live with a mental illness and as a result of that illness, I've been on medication for 13 years 
And for that 13-year period up until mm, December of last year, I totally lost my libido. And I accepted that as, if you like, one of the costs of staying well. That for me to stay mentally well, I had to lose my libido and there are other side effects as well for anyone out there who takes psychiatric medication. And then lo and behold, in December of last year, my libido came rushing back, absolutely engulfed me one night after I woke up in the middle of the night from this most erotic dream and I was just flabbergasted. Nothing had changed with your medication? It was just like a magical no, night? Absolutely, no. Wow. No change wow. to my medication, oh, zero. I don't know what happened in this <laughs> dream that <laughs> ticked things over, but I found that, you know, I had to satisfy my libido by myself and it wasn't just a once-off. My libido was able to be satisfied by myself on several occasions thereafter. And then it left the interesting question for me, well, what do I do next? And obviously the next thing was to see could I experience physical intimacy with another woman? Let me say at the outset I'm gay, so my experience with escorting is not about kind of bi-curious, although that absolutely has a legitimate place as well. So for me it wasn't about... I felt really nervous after 13 years about rushing back into the dating scene. In fact, it terrified me. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, I have a personal trainer. I have other experienced professionals in my life in terms of the service industry. Why don't I pay someone to see if my um, I can experience physical uh, intimacy with uh, another woman? And that led to my decision to seek out a sex worker. Brilliant. Uh, so tell us what that first experience was like for you. The first experience ranged from absolutely panic-inducing to passionate to profound. And I'll talk that through that experience because it really Please. upturned, if you like, my preconception of what seeing an escort was going to be. So between the booking um, and seeking my escort, and I'll talk about the challenges of finding an escort mm-hmm. later on, because as you said earlier, there is something about a woman navigating a predominantly male-oriented industry and how you can kind of go about that. But between booking and uh, so between booking and the actual first day with my escort, who is um, her name is Charlotte Wolf, it was uh, a total of yes, she's so <laughs> hot. Yeah. We love Charlotte. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I absolutely agree yeah. with that. It was a total of uh, it was a total of five days. And for the first, you know, four days leading into the, looking into the date, I was cool and I was calm and I was focused on nice hotel, what would I wear, a little bit of a fantasy of what it might be like. And then the day before the um, the actual booking, I was gripped by the most panic-inducing attack that rendered me almost incapable of speaking. And then and there I actually wanted to thought, well, I can't go through with this, can't go through with this, I have to cancel. Can't, why am I doing this? I'm not the kind of girl who books an escort, can't go through with this. And luckily I had the foresight to ring a friend of mine, and this is the very first, this is the very first conversation I have with a friend about seeing an escort, pre-booking, in fact, and I bring a very dear friend of mine, Linda, and I say, Linda, you need to talk me down from the ledge. And she says, what ledge? Why? And I said, well, I have to tell her the backstory about my libido. <laughs> yeah. Don't. 
you know, I'm being really open. I've never shared this with anyone. Yep. Now yeah. friends know it. Now the whole somebody you love podcast audience knows yes. it. Yes. <laughs> and said to her, you know, I booked a, a, an escort. And she was fabulous because she didn't bat an eyelid yeah. at um, the fact that I'd seen um, an escort. So no kind of shock or surprise. She was really matter of fact and said, Maria, you're seeing a professional. You're going to be in really good hands, remember that. And it was basically, the rest of it was basically along the lines of feel the fear and do it anyway. Wow. Oh, my God, we love Linda. What else have you got to lose, essentially? Yeah. And she was right. I live in Melbourne. It was at the tail end of coming out of our 90 millionth lockdown. Yeah. It's been a shit show of two years. And I thought, no, what have I got to lose? Yeah. You know, this is about trying to find something about me. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but I have to kind of go through with this. So go through uh, with the booking. Charlotte is absolutely lovely in that kind of, you know, that first 30 minutes of chat, settle down, have a drink, getting to, to, to know each other. I have to be up front and say the very first time we were physical with each other for me was like an out-of-body um, experience. And if I think about it now, it makes sense. In 30 minutes, right, I've never had a one-night stand before, so in 30 minutes I've oh, taken wow. my kid off one of someone I've never met, my equivalent of a one-night stand. I'm having sex for the first time in 13 years and it's my first time with an escort. Yeah. That's a whole lot of stuff coming <laughs> together and it did make, for me, I wasn't really um, in my body and I wasn't really kind of fully present, yeah. if you like, in that very first moment of, or the first round, so to speak, of uh, a physical intimacy. But Charlotte was fabulous and I relaxed into it and we talked and it was the in-between times and the more we got to know each other, the better it was. And it was a three-hour booking and by the time two and a half hours rolled around, I was just getting into yeah. the floor, yep. just getting into the floor. So I said to her, have you got anything else on after this? She said no. So I extended the booking there and then for another three hours and it wasn't so much about, you know, going around the block again. It really was about we had dinner essentially and talk and it was about that kind of connection yeah and and um that 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 the vibe and the and the intimacy the experience that's not just simply um about sex the profound moment for me which just absolutely still resonates 5 months down the track happened right at the end of the night where we both had a shower together it wasn't a sexy shower it was the kind of shower i'm going to put on my jammies get to bed and revel in the afterglow in the hotel room she's going to get dressed and leave and towards and it was just this lovely companionable silence and just towards the end she said come here and she pulled me to water and she spooned me and in that moment, it was, uh, what was it getting a bit teary thinking about it still? In that moment, I felt seen, I felt wanted, I felt desired, I felt validated. And it was that moment that upturned what my conception of sex work was. I think we're all getting teary. I'm crying. <laughs> all three of us. Oh, my God. This is what happens when you put women but together. It's funny, Jenna, because I, uh, I've spoken about this to a couple of uh, friends of mine and they get teary uh, as well. And uh, they don't, you know, then when I talk about, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about reactions and responses. People don't necessarily expect that this was going exactly. uh, to happen. No, yeah. of course not. And I, I mean, I think Holly, I don't want to speak for you, but we, you know, we've truly, like, I believe that is what's at the core of mm. sex work. That's what people are seeking and that's what we're able to provide. Yeah, it's connection. And I think that that, yeah. Mm. 
Mm. And feeling I, I absolutely, seen, you know, I absolutely yeah. agree with you, but it's not something that I expected. No, or wasn't yeah. my conception was yeah. of the of sex work, if you yeah. like. Yeah, even if you're not actively seeking it or intentionally seeking it or expecting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What an amazing first experience and so validating. And utterly, I'll be upfront, it utterly discombobulated me. Yeah, I bet it did. No. Yeah. It, it just discombobulated me. It was as if someone had thrown pieces of me up in the air and I landed together differently. Wow. Because I saw that first experience going into the, the date as something that was going to be utterly transactional. Yeah. My bits, I'm going to see if my bits are going to work <laughs> and then I'm going to see what happens afterwards. Not really thinking about, well, what will happen afterwards, even though I'm a meticulous planner and I planned yeah. everything up to the date, I hadn't really thought about what was going to uh, happen, you, uh, happen yeah. afterwards. You can't plan for that. No, you can't no, know. you can't. Yeah. But I didn't expect that kind of kind of response. And it really made me really made me think about, well, what was this about and where is this leading me to? Because I saw it as a once-off kind of experience. And it really kind of forced me to think about what I wanted, both um, from a physical and an emotional and an intimacy point of view. And I kind of came to the conclusion that what I didn't want was to enter into a conventional relationship straight away, that I wanted to create this space in the context of the client-escort relationship. You know, you heard about my year of exploration and development. That's what this is. Uh, has become because I made a commitment to myself then and then on my second date with Charlotte that I was going to see her regularly for a year mm. in this, um, uh, as I said, in this year of, uh, of uh, exploration. That ties in really well with our, our next question, which is uh, in, in what ways has booking escorts uh, impacted your life? So from that initial booking that you had with Charlotte, you then reassessed your entire approach to what dating or what intimacy was going to be for the next year, at least for you. That's yes. Okay. Do you want to talk us through that a little bit and, and, yeah, and what that year I, of I did. So as I said, I, I, I actually spoke to, a little bit to her about it um, that night. I said, look, I think I'm going to see you again. I just made it as that sort of like, like I'm going to see you again. And this was just before Christmas. I went away over Christmas. And, you know, I do a stock take over Christmas about where's my life up to professionally, personally, what do I want the year ahead to be. And that experience uh, of that first date still resonated with me, uh, obviously, while I was still away. And that's led to the thinking that says, I don't want to rush in and date. I don't want to, I go on the dating treadmill and I don't, didn't, and I wanted to avoid the whole domesticity side of it as well. Like, honey, who's going to get the chicken on the way home? <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. And I didn't, also didn't think, I'm not, I'm not belittling that, but I also didn't think I was ready um, for that. There were still things I needed to learn about myself uh, in the context of vulnerability, of intimacy, of e- being able to express myself. So that led to, uh, that, as I said, that year of uh, that commitment to that year. But the other surprising thing that's happened, I mean, a number of surprising things have happened um, uh, to me in terms of impact, is that I now have, uh, I like to call them my companions, I now have a second companion. Uh, and I I do have somebody you love to thank for pointing me in the right direction of my second companion because I now see Petra Fox. We love Petra. (laughs) I feel like she needs to start giving us (laughs) commissions. So, you know, you 
if you if you kind of you know why you know rewind into December last year, well, one, I was surprised I was going to be seeing one or sport. Tell me I was going to be seeing two, and I was going to be sitting. No, I've got to be kidding me! But here I am seeing two escorts again because of that exploration in uh, different ways. So that's one aspect of it. And I'd have to say that uh, my experiences with both Charlotte and with Petra have enriched my life. There's no two ways um, about it. It is not just about getting off, so to speak. I can do that at home with something that buzzes. It is more than 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 that, that, than, than, the, than the immediate of the of the physical, you know, as we have said, or as I have said, it is about that connection and about the intimacy and about them creating this really safe space that allows me to express my vulnerability, that allows me to express my desire and really communicate on an authentic and very deep uh, level as well. So enriched is how I would describe my life. And my friends would also say that they experience me differently now as a result of seeing sports. One of the things I decided really early on was I was going, I have a very close inner circle of uh, friends, as we all do, and, you know, you have those conversations that say, hey, hey, what have you been up to? What's new in your life? And I thought, well, I'm just going to straight out tell them what's been new in my life, particularly when I knew that this was going to be ongoing because I wanted to be able to share it. I did not want to have to say, hey, this is a secret thing that I'm keeping hidden away, and by doing that, having this internal kind of stigma or shame about it. I want to be really open uh, about uh, about my experience. The conversation would go something like this. They'd say, you know, hey, what's happening? I said, well, guess what? I'm dating a girl. Well, first of all, it'd be shocked because I haven't spoken about dating in 13 years. <laughs> and then I'd say, and uh, by the way, I'm actually paying for the date. And it took a little minute for the penny to talk. <laughs> And sometimes I had to help them and say, yes, I'm paying for the date, which means I'm seeing an escort. Love that. Now, for most of my friends like me, the sex industry sort of ran parallel by our lives. None of us have had any real exposure to it other than kind of, I guess, through mass media. So there's been lots of curiosity, if you like, from Mm -hmm. friends uh, about what it is. But the one thing there hasn't been is any shock or any kind of moral judgment. There's been surprise. Of all the things Maria could have done, this is the thing that we did not expect to be on, you know, there's been an element of surprise, but there has been also that element of, well, what really happens? What's it like? And in doing that slowly over time, I found myself... Again, this is not something I would have expected at the time of that very first uh, that very first day. Is actually taking up the role of an ally in some ways to address some misconceptions. A couple of times, there's been use of the P word, for example, or how it all works. Are you walk in and you ask for what you want, and it's yeah. like, no. <laughs> how do you have sex with your husband? You know, yeah. it's been addressing those kind of uh, of, uh, of misconceptions, but also kind of reinforcing, if you like, the um, uh, particularly you know into independent private escorts, these are empowered women essentially running their own businesses. Not all women, though. Yes. They're not all women. No, sorry, not all women. No, no, I'm falling into the gender trap. It happens. Women and men and the women, men and the in-betweens, so to speak, who are empowered, running their own businesses, having their own autonomy, yeah. doing free to do what they choose. It's not that trope of, you know, no other options or anything else like that um, uh, as well. So correcting some of those conceptions along the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that a lot. And we yeah, and, and so you just far. 
continuing with that today by chatting to us. So that's amazing. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why I agreed, or I put my hand up, me, 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 it was one <laughs> about, you know, <laughs> injecting a female voice to, yeah. you, know, you know, to counter the narrative that escorts are women, uh, clients are men, and to say this is what it is from, a, you know, a female looking for a, a, a female escort, a female looking for a male escort might have different kind of uh, sure. experiences, but there are women out there who are engaging with the um, sex work uh, industry. And I think by, you know, by you know, if you're thinking about diversity and we're thinking about inclusion, it is not only about how the industry responds and opens up to um, women as clients, but also what female clients can do. It's for that very reason I've left testimonial for Charlotte. It's why I've engaged and made quite a conscious decision after I discovered the uh, the pod and lapped it all up because I wanted yeah. to be a considerate and thoughtful kind of client to kind of say, hey, let me you know, bring another perspective into this uh, as well. It's why I will engage occasionally, not often, but occasionally on social media. You'll see comments of kind of men. It's like, hang on, let's put in another voice there. Yes. As well. Love that. Very good. You are, yeah, as an addict of, <laughs> of engaging in arguments on social media, I love that. <laughs> so talk to us. I know that there have been some challenges on this journey for you. So talk us through that. I guess the biggest challenge was finding a companion or finding um, an escort. As I said earlier, I knew nothing about the sex work industry. I knew it existed, but it lived over here, parallel next to me, because I had never any reason to engage with it. So when I made the decision to kind of, when I made the decision, I'm going to pay a professional, and that's how I thought about it, I thought, well, what do I do now? There was no one I could talk to because I knew that my friends, you know, no locker room conversation. In fact, we don't even talk about sex. One of the interesting things about this is we've begun to be a bit more open oh, about yeah. we, were ne- we were never six in the city kind of girls. Yeah. Even though we've that cosmopolitan lifestyle, no, we've never really talked about the sex part, only yeah. about the city part. So it's kind of opened up that conversation as well. So I did what anybody does and I go to Google and I, for the life of me, I wish I could remember what the first search terms were that I punched into Google because initially they brought me up brothels and escort agencies and I felt very uncomfortable about either of those. I saw the brothel as a very male space and I just didn't feel comfortable walking into a brothel kind of group of women and sort of choosing, no, I can't, I just couldn't do that. Same with an agency. And it had never really occurred to me that there was a section of the sex work industry that was private escorting, Mm. don't know why, but it just had never occurred to me. And I discovered the various directory platforms in the whatever next level of search that uh, that I did. So um, I went on to uh, one of those platforms. It was a very simple search that I put in, you know, punched in Melbourne, punched in lesbian, bisexual, and then I think something like 100 results came up. And that's when I realised that when I looked, started to look at the imagery, a lot of it was very focused on the what I would call the male gaze. It just simply did not appeal to me and that's when I realized as well hey I suspect that the bulk of the clientele and the market is actually made up of men so you are marketing to where the client base is but that made it really challenging because I just you know even though you know they had come up as you know lesbian bisexual I might have sort of mentioned that you know they'll entertain women or whatever it was just didn't feel authentic to me Mm-hmm. Until I found um, Charlotte's photos and her photos set, because it was quite different to the 
the lingerie and the provocative kind of pose. And the, the photo will be up front that attracted me, which is her sort of like first image. I think she was wearing a teddy and a peignoir, sipping a cup of tea on the veranda of a country house. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I want to get to know that uh, that girl. There was something about the imagination and the intrigue for me. And then when I went into the bio, she was really up front being about bisexual. And then the, and then the killer test was I started to look at fingernails. Yeah. Because <laughs> talons, some of those girls who said that they were lesbian and bisexual had talons, and I'm telling you, those talons aren't going anywhere near my pussy. <laughs> and no matter how experienced you are with talons, saying, but I can do that, no self respecting dyke, because my fingernails is going yeah. to have. Is going I've had to plenty have of her. long nails in me. I'm fine, yeah. but I've got a pussy of steel, so. Mm. Yeah, well, no, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm old school, Jenny. <laughs> Maybe it's the difference between kind of you know, the old school dyke and the younger I, uh, generation. But I you know, fisted I, I, somebody with the pointy, pointy ones. one, the mm. stiletto heels. Fisted that was the day we a, a day we met. Yeah, day we met. That's the day we met. <laughs> oh my lord! But no, I you you are correct. So so part of it was that, and that's why I thought when I um the, the counter to that really was when you mentioned on your podcast about Petra and you know being really quite open in her marketing to uh queer um uh, audience. The other, the other challenge was, as I said, you know I did want to you know first time client. I read everything that was to read under the sun. Shout out to Georgie Wolf Satisfaction Project, which was great in terms of you know etiquette and all of that, but also some of the directory websites. So some of the directory websites, though, perpetuate this um, gendered, if you like, um, image of the sex work industry. And the one that I really grated on me was when I was thinking about hotels and Scarlet Blue has uh, a section on its uh, website called The Hotel Experience and it starts. I haven't been on that website in years. I don't even know what's on there. So anyway, so this is what it says, right? This is what it says. A private intimate encounter with an escort is something that every gentleman should experience. And then they talk about a hotel and they keep talking about gentlemen, many gentlemen that book the company of an escort are in a living arrangement with another person or the experience. A hotel can sometimes help calm nerves and prepare the gentleman for the intimate experience and so on and so on. And I'm never using Scarlet Blue as a result of that, but <laughs> we need to think about, uh, and those that are kind of, if you like, are in allied uh, areas of the sex work industry about how we can use gender-inclusive language so we don't perpetuate, you know, that narrative that um, women are escorts and men are clients. I mean, on top of I, I 100% agree, and I think that on top of that, there's also, like, that's gendered language, but it's also quite classist language, yeah. and there's this thing of, like, the gentleman, and then I feel like there would also be men who would go, oh, well, I, I'm not wearing my tux, so I'm yeah. not sure if that, do you know what I mean? And, that, and yeah. I think that... It's alienating language in a number of ways, but I absolutely agree. It's insane how often you still come across uh, language like that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you about it. The gentleman also riled me, as you said, because there is a whole lot of other undertones about being the gentleman as opposed to, you know. And discerning. What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Gross. You discussed before some misconceptions relating to sex work. Were there any that you had personally that changed or even misconceptions about sex in general that changed since you became a patron of the sex industry? For me, I think the most fundamental misconception is about the nature of the work. The nature of the work is more than sex. 
that it is about creating a safe space for clients to express their vulnerability, their intimacy, their desires, to be able to create that holding space where clients can be themselves and be authentically themselves with uh, with someone someone else. The laughter, I cannot tell you. <laughs> yeah. The laughter I have had both with Petra and yeah. Charlotte yeah. in uh, in our in our in our sessions that makes it all you know raunchy fun is yeah. uh, is the way that I would yes. uh, would. Uh, would describe it in uh, in that sense as well that uh, it isn't just about as I said the the physical there's a you know, a whole lot of other experience um, that sits underneath it. I guess the other thing and it's not so much a, a, a misconception but I guess it's more about awareness for me and an increase in awareness so the opposite of the misconception whatever you want to describe <laughs> that as is the level of discrimination and stigma that sex workers face actually in their day-to-day lives, even the whole kind of, you know, face out, face in, issues in relation as you've spoken about, banking, decriminalisation or decrimish. It's been quite eye-opening in that that regard because I hadn't really thought about any of that to to a certain extent. So that's been sort of like the opposite of a misconception. It's like more of a learning, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I think that yeah, very common. A lot of people don't know about it, and you and you're not you're not to know about it necessarily. But it's uh, it's always nice when when people when people learn. Yeah, you know <laughs> exactly. And how also then then also that that raises the interesting question for me. You know, and, and, and you know, it goes back to maybe it goes back to you know, kind of like kind of like the changes. I think you know because you know I came out in the 1980s when it was terribly unfashionable and weren't mm. huge support networks. I'm very open about living with a mental illness, so I understand a the value of allies and also the impact in different contexts of stigma and discrimination. So I think that's what heightened my awareness and the roles that individuals can play as allies, whether uh, clients, friends or whoever, to try and normalise the experience of seeing a sex worker and also trying to help in whatever way that we can to address those issues of stigma and discrimination. Thanks so much for being on the show, Maria. It's been amazing to have your perspective. Thank you. Thanks for sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me. And for any woman out there who's thinking about seeing an escort, male or female, all I can say is just do it. Just feel the fear and do it. Yes, feel the fear and do it. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Thank you. See ya. Do you miss the free and affordable ads and social networks without all of the anti-sex rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex working community. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Trist.link and Switter.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. And both are free to join and open to all. You can find both of our profiles on Trist, and I love how it is so clearly designed by sex workers. Yep, and I love how straightforward and easy it is to use and how much they clearly support the sex working community. And also how responsive they are when it comes to feedback and customer service. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info.
Steve has been a client of sex workers for four years. After his long-term partner disclosed that the lack of intimacy in their relationship was unlikely to change and a lot of really frank discussion, it was suggested that he seek sex and physical intimacy outside of the relationship. It was a long journey for him to actually becoming a client, and it hasn't always been a smooth road since then, but he credits his time with sex workers as being partly responsible for him learning a lot about himself and helping to improve his relationship. Hi, Steve. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Holly. Hey, Jenna. Hey. Hello. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Good to meet you, Holly. Likewise. If it wasn't already clear from that, we have already met. (laughs) Once before. You can once or twice. (laughs) We have told a tiny bit of your story in our intro, but we would love to hear it from you. So our first question is, what inspired you to sort of do all of this, to engage with the sex industry for the first time? Uh, Quite a while ago now, maybe six or seven years ago, I've got a long-term partner. We've been together 20 years now. And she's struggled with her mental health for a long time, for as long as I've known her. So she, in terms she'd use to describe, she'd say like she won't look at herself in the mirror and like she'd use the terms like I hate myself I hate looking at myself so those sorts of things have always been in her mind and as she's got older it's been a bigger struggle and since like six or seven years ago our sex life started to decline and it was never something I put pressure on to like we have to have that we have to have that but obviously as it declined and you know the breaks went for like one month two months without any physical intimacy you know, we started to have those conversations and she would always tell me, you know, I'm trying, but I just can't do it and I just don't like myself and I can't bear having anyone touch me or be around me. And, I, you know, she would always reassure me and say, it's not you, it's just anyone. I don't want anyone touching me. So probably four or five years ago, we had a few more conversations because, like, we hadn't been intimate in over a year and the conversation about seeing other people actually came up. I was talking to her about a friend of mine whose wife had actually just caught him cheating. And she said to me that I'm surprised you haven't cheated because you've got every reason to. And so our conversation, she then suggested from there that, you know, she'd be okay if I saw other people because she said sex isn't something I can offer you and I can't even tell you when. And I don't think it's fair for you to go without just because of me. And, you know, down to the point was if you really want to stay in this relationship and want sex, then you're going to have to go elsewhere for it. You know, we had a lot of conversations about it going backwards and forwards because obviously my initial reaction is I'm not just looking for sex. You know, it's the touch. It's that connection with people. It's not just the act itself. The act itself is great. But if, it, if that's all I was after, well, I would have either left her or cheated on her years and years ago with multiple people. So we had a few conversations backwards and forwards about it because... I don't know, it threw me quite mm. a lot. You weren't expecting to hear that, right? No, I wasn't expecting to hear that. And and also, yeah, that wasn't what I was looking for. And yeah, and I, I sort of explained it to her, like, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that connection with some, with her, but it mm. wasn't just a far. You know, she explained to me, you know, that's okay. If you want to go somewhere else, that's fine. I sort of said to her, you know, it just feels wrong. It feels wrong. And her response was, well, who says it's wrong if, it, if that's what works for us? Who's to say that it's wrong for us to do that? At the time, I guess, threw me a bit, but I was okay with that. I didn't just run out, start looking for someone to sleep with. I sort of just let it, I like to think about it, so I just let it settle with me for quite a while. I had a close friend at the time that I was talking to and they suggested to go on to Ashley Madison, which I had a look at. <laughs> and I just was like, 
okay, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not for me. Yeah. I mean, is that, mm. am, correct me if I'm wrong, that is for people who are cheating. Is that right? Yeah, correct. That's yeah, the, an, yeah. I think yeah. the Which base isn't of the really website. where you were sitting. No, and it was, yeah, that website's, mm. I think the back of that, that background of the website is that it's supposed to be for affairs. Yeah. Had you, had you at any point or, and it's extremely personal, so we're just, we're going to go there. Sure. Had you and your partner looked into, um, you know, counseling or sex, um, what is it? Sex, sex therapy together or something that would help with those issues. And because as you said, it's such an intimacy based thing. It's not like I just want to put my dick in you. you. You wanted to have that connection together and you obviously still love her a lot. Was there, has there been Avenue or has there been space for you guys to, um, to work on those issues, you know, in a, in a professional setting? Yeah, it's something I'd suggested a long time ago. Uh, she'd been against counselling, even just for the things she was dealing with on her own. Mm. She, she did see a sex therapist uh, once. I think she had one uh, consultation with them and she decided that it's just not for her. That wasn't for her. Mm. It's a confronting thing to deal with yeah. these sorts oh, yeah. of things. So definitely I, I respect that. I'm not – I just want to clarify for anyone listening and, and obviously for yourself, I'm not suggesting, did she get it fixed? You know, I guess <laughs> yeah. I'm just wanting to understand what you guys explored and and um, and sort of, yeah, the thought processes involved there. So if she found that was all just a lot, mm. then, yeah, I can definitely mm-hmm. see that it was um, – you know, she still wanted you to be happy and fulfilled in, in the ways that you yeah. needed to be. And, um, yeah, no, that's, I can definitely see that. So can you walk us through your, um, your first experience then, how you, how yeah. you eventually made the decision that this is what you're going to do and yeah. what that booking process was like for you? And- um, so my first booking leading up to that, so it was about probably eight or nine months after I, we had that conversation where I decided I, I'd been on Twitter because a really close friend of mine is a cam model and she moved to Twitter to promote her work, and so I followed her there. And you discovered the wonderful world of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Have a look back. <laughs> I decided I did a bit of research um, and found some workers in Sydney that I'd like to see and sort of narrowed it down to, I think, three at the time. And then there was a worker. I sent her an email um, for the booking request. That was what she wanted. She replied, accepted my booking request, and we had a... Um, part of her, I guess, screening process was a phone call. Uh, the phone call went really well, but also at the time she was injured. Like she had an injury. It was quite, she was quite open about the injury that she had. So there may, you know, there, I knew there may have been some issues leading up to the booking potentially and also limitations in the booking because of that injury. So on the morning of the booking, and I arranged this because I was nervous about it, my partner and son were away on holidays. So... I arranged it then on purpose because obviously it was my first time seeing someone outside my relationship. So I wasn't sure, I guess, my reaction would be after that. So it was a good timing, I guess, for me, because if if I was really happy and excited, I wasn't walking home with this really cheesy grin on my face. But also if it really shocked me and that I could deal with that without, without them around. So the morning of the booking, I was literally at my front door walking out, had a gift in my hand, I was dressed ready to go, and I got a text from her really apologetic and I think she'd had a consultation with her doctor over the injury and had some news that wasn't great Mm. um so she just you know she just said I'm just not in the right headspace to be able to have a booking which you know 100% completely understandable Mm, for me personally obviously I was pretty disappointed because it'd been 
quite a build-up, so a lot of nerves to just... So it was a real big crash for me. Totally, yeah. From there, which, you know, that was cool. That I understood that. Yeah, but, I mean, you can have empathy for that and you can fully understand the situation and not have any yeah, absolutely. You know, animosity and you can still have you know, emotional and an, an emotional response to it. Yeah. And we tried to reschedule, but it was around like Christmas, New Year. So it was just difficult and we just weren't able to reschedule, which is fine. Yeah. So after that, a few days after that, I was pretty low from it. And I'd talked to a friend of mine that knew what I was going through. They were a bit harsh at the time. A bit harsh toward you? Towards me. Yeah. They, oh, wow. They made a pretty harsh comment. I don't think it was in, I won't repeat it on here. Just because um, it was pretty harsh. Right. So, yeah, after that, after those few days, I was quite low, but I was, and I'd, try, I'd looked at people to book, but I was a bit, you know, I couldn't really decide. I was frustrated with it all. Um, and I was on Twitter late at night. And even now, like, I will comment on, sometimes I'll comment on someone's photo. And there was a sex worker who obviously commented on one of her images and she sent me a DM um, I think she asked me if I was a client of another worker, mm. uh, which I wasn't. And then we started to chat and we got on, we clicked really well. We gelled really well. And we just started chatting as friends. And I was in a pretty low place. So I kind of overshared, I guess, sure. of where I was at the time. And we built up a really rapid, intense friendship over a really short space of time. I, I'd explained what had happened to me with the pre- or the attempt at the previous booking and then also my personal situation and my relationship and where that was. And I still do when I talk to people. I try to be pretty clear on my on where my relationship is and what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, maybe I wasn't at the time. Maybe I wasn't as clear as I thought I was. But she wasn't local to me and she invited me to come and visit her. I was stoked. Like, I was really happy and was like, absolutely. I asked her if she wanted me to come and visit her as a client because um, I was prepared to pay and I wanted to be clear on where yep. we were, which she yep. said, no, I'd prefer to, you to come and see me just as you, Gee. which for me at the time, that was wow. Yeah, it's still yeah. wow to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I took her up on the offer and I went and visited her. I stayed for just for 24 hours. Just, you know, we just for, but with someone <laughs> yeah. we've just met. Yeah. That's, pretty, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah that's known, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, true, because I think we'd known each other maybe less than two weeks. Oh, wow. Around about two weeks. So, okay. yeah, was, yep. I guess I just kind of went right in the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> well, sometimes you yeah. should. Why not? We had a really great time. Yeah, it was, obviously, you know, and, yeah, had heaps of fun. It was just, you know, really intimate time, quite an intense time. The next morning she started to tell me that she was falling for me, which was like, oh, Oh, no. Yeah. And I didn't reciprocate. I didn't say, oh, well, I'm falling for you too. I was I'm not quite sure how I responded, probably really uncomfortably, just mm-hmm. a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. But we still finished the morning, had a nice morning, and then I came back home. And things were good. We kept going backwards and forwards with each other in, like, message, phone calls. It just became too much where she, at times, I think she wanted me to leave my partner. Wow. And was, it got a bit nasty at times. Yeah, it was pretty challenging and not what I expected, obviously. And so also I was, I didn't realize, I didn't think I'd given out that vibe that I was trying to leave my partner. Like I said, perhaps I did, but I didn't think I had. And then also she was quite hurt by it. So I was, you know, I was disappointed because I didn't go with the intention of hurting anyone either. No. So after that sort of period, that falling out and everything happened over a couple of months, 
I just went, well, okay, this obviously is not for me either because I've had the first booking I tried to have was cancelled and, yeah, for obviously a legitimate reason. And then my next interaction a short time later with another provider was just turned out really, really bad. So I resigned myself to just going, okay, well, I guess none of this is for me. And then over the course of that year, I actually slept with my partner that year. See, that's how often is I actually remember that. And that was the last time we slept together, which Mm. would have been around 2017. But later in the year, I guess maybe having those interactions sort of put that thought in the back of my mind where I thought I think I might try again. Probably December that year, I'd done some more research and I thought, well, why not? I did some research, found a provider that I liked and so obviously I sent an email to get in touch to request a booking. Yeah, so she responded to my email. Yeah, fantastic to me. I'd love to have a booking with you. And she's not a full-time worker. She's very part-time. So she said to me, for the rest of our contact, we can DM uh, just on Twitter. And she'd said to me, feel free to, you know, DM so we can build a bit of a rapport for the booking, which I know that's probably very, very rare in the industry, but that's how she runs her business, which was cool. So with her on the day of the booking, everything went really well. I was terrified. I felt sick. (laughs) (laughs) Even from the day before, like I remember exactly where I was when I got the confirmation email from the, the day before to say, this is where we're meeting, the time, everything And then the morning of the booking, when I pulled up to meet her, I still can see her, exactly what she was wearing, standing there waiting for me because she had to get me a parking space, so she had to Mm -hmm. jump in my car. And we parked and got on really well. And then, obviously for me, because I was, don't want to say terrified, but I was pretty terrified, quite nervous. (laughs) I think think a lot of people don't realise, like, that's a very common experience, particularly with the first booking. um, You're absolutely not alone in that. And yeah, and I get, I guess, yeah, you're right, obviously, that it's, you're not alone. And obviously, I had no one else to talk to, yeah. to even know what I'm going through. But that's what, like, I also, even I was feeling really nervous and a bit scared, like, I just, in my head, I'm just like, well, who cares, just bite the bullet and get on with it and just do it, it'll be great. And she was phenomenal. So when we went up to the room where we were, where we were going to be, she was just really gentle. We talked for a long time. And everything was really gradual, you know, nothing forced. Everything sort of went at that pace where she knew I was comfortable. It was just a really, really great experience. She's just, she's someone I still see. I haven't seen her this year, but she's someone I still see and so much time for her. I should have even said in the lead up to the the booking when we'd had that conversation back and forth via message and I'd given her a little bit bit of a background on my my relationship Mm -hmm. and the situation and what I was looking for. She even said, are you sure this is the right thing for you to do. Yeah, you, right. Which says a lot about her, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so we're, all I remember from the booking is obviously that lead up and then her asking, I think, if I was okay because the smile on my face the entire time was <laughs> just a bit out of control. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. When she thought that yeah. was a problem because you were just sort no, of... No, just... She's Are like, you oh, well? What is it? Yeah, what is it? Because it's just like, I don't know, maybe I look like the... Grinning. <laughs> yeah. It's so sweet. So uh, in what ways has booking escorts impacted your life since then? Yeah, I've become a lot happier um, in myself overall over the period of time. I've gained a lot more appreciation for my partner as well. I guess looking back at uh, the conversations we had and the messages she wrote me, like that's quite, might have been, must have been quite difficult to say, I can't do this, so 
you need if you want to you need to do that to be able to mm. I don't know if permission's the right word but to be able to put yeah. that out there just giving her blessing yeah. yeah yeah it sounds like she's going through a lot and that she's she's still maintaining such a selfless um you know perspective on it so that's huge a lot of points to her yeah yeah, yeah. so that's been great yeah because there were times during that I guess I had a resentment for her like it wasn't directly you know there was just that undertone of resentment you know, which is gone. I don't, I never have that feeling towards her about it. And I think at home, which there's not that underlying pressure either anymore. Mm. And she doesn't feel that underlying pressure from me. So maybe it's just something I'm giving off where she's not feeling that, oh, he wants this, he wants this. Mm. And also, obviously, all the great experiences I've been able to have, I'm a lot more open about my, about sexuality and wanting to explore things and also asking for them and talking about them, yeah, it's been really helpful. You know, obviously those new experiences and things that I sort of looked at in the past, you're just like, oh, yeah, and then I try it and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I am. It's Yeah, it's given me a lot. And even things uh, which I think Jenna was actually the one that pointed it out to me, I have not an issue, but just receiving pleasure. Like I've always kind of felt selfish and sort of wanted to pull that other person back to be involved, but I love to give pleasure and, you know, Jenna just, I think we, you brought that up in one of the conversations yeah, we were having. early on, I think. Yeah, and which is something we've worked on and just also making sure I understand that, appreciate that there's other people that too, they like to give pleasure to their partner. So, yeah, that's yeah. been a lot of fun. I think that's a, a really big one for me because I think one of the misconceptions about the industry, there's this idea that, that you know, clients are men and, and sex workers are women mm. and that the clients are just using the women to fulfil their sexual needs and, and to provide them with pleasure. And what I see so often is men who are actually incredibly uncomfortable receiving pleasure and having somebody else sort of in control of that. Yeah. And what they feel the most comfortable with is is giving. And that's cool. Like no complaints about that. But I think that there is something to be said for learning to accept pleasure and and be pleasured and and acknowledging that if you're somebody who likes to give, you have to think about, well, maybe other people like giving too. And maybe I'm actually helping them out and we're being a partnership by allowing them to provide me with pleasure. Maybe that's actually nice for them as well. So, yeah, it's something I, I bring up a lot because I think the general perception of the sex industry and of heterosexual sex can be not, you know, it's a bloody misconception I think a lot of the time. Yeah, and see those the bookings now, they're, my, they're the times when I have intimacy. So I think we had last year, we had that four-month lockdown and, my last kiss was before the lockdown and then the next one was with you after the lockdown. Yeah, there's a lot there for me. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, I kind of look at it now as, you know, it's just a part of something that I need. It's a service that is there for me. Like if I'm injured, I go to the physio mm. and they treat me. And the same now I look at sex work as this is where I go to get intimacy and the connection, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I've got a, a great appreciation for what you do, um, the service that you provide. I do have a lot of respect for everything that you guys do. Do you? Did you have any misconceptions, anything that you were kind of expecting that was not the case? Yeah, all of that. So pre-seeing anyone, I guess, you know, I had that stereotypical image when I thought of an escort or a sex worker, I thought just, you know, like you see in the movies, it's, some young 20-year-old, beautiful girl, looks like a model. You've got to be extremely wealthy. 
to book and it's, you know, it's about party, fun, which it can be, you know. Sure. That was sort of my perception of the industry. And so initially that's why I wasn't really considering it because, like, I was after that, the real intimacy, the connection. So I looked at and also I didn't think I'd be accepted because I, I don't know, like, if I'd relate to a young 20-year-old, I might. But also, I, I don't know, I just... I've always been a bit of an outsider as well, so I'm a little bit quirky, a bit weird, so which is I'm happy with that. But so I just see all of that and go, well, who would want to s- spend that time with me? You know, and lacking some self confidence as well at the time. So that was sort of how I perceived the industry, and now I've been lucky enough to be a client and discover that that we're all pretty it's, weird and quirky too. It's the yeah. opposite, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I can, yeah. yeah, I can be. <laughs> completely myself and yeah say some weird stuff and just laugh and have a great time yeah I'm really glad that it's changed around for me like that I just wanted to I forgot I should have added in this question I know that you have a little strategy that you employ which I thought could be useful advice for some of our clients and we you and I talked about this after we had Georgie on the show and we talked about yeah. the concept of drop after a yeah. booking and you sort of explained that you already have something in place for that. So can you share that? Yeah, of course. So I do a couple of things now. After Usually after a booking, the day after, I always send a just a thank you email because I'm always very grateful and I just want to reach out and say thank you. I then sort of give myself two weeks where I won't, even consider like logging in to request another booking because obviously it can be pretty addictive mm-hmm. um, and that can be one of the things I struggle with is just that emotional side and now um, sometimes after booking certain bookings have been quite intense and emotionally intense which is fantastic but the day after becomes a bit of a struggle and so I've that podcast that you did with Georgie um, I've listened to a couple of times now after bookings and I guess it reminds you like the way you're feeling, there's that drop and any emotional attachment you had have, it's valid and the way you're feeling is valid. I've used, I use that to just sort of remind myself going, okay, the way you're feeling today is okay. You're going to feel mm. better over the week. Yeah, there's nothing and wrong. No, there's nothing wrong with the way you're feeling. And I think there's probably, till that sort of podcast came out and some other stuff that Georgie's written and put out, how would you even know that? So that's yeah, been right. just invaluable, I guess been such a great resource and really, really helpful. Yeah, because one of the things I probably should have mentioned earlier when going into the industry, what really appealed to me is the boundaries. For me, I'm someone who's good with boundaries and rules and things like that. So your boundaries are don't contact me, but, you know, it's not a personal chat. It's in between. So regardless of how I'm feeling, I'm not going to reach out and, you know, because I want to... respect your business and what you're doing also if I become like that then you're not going to you're not going to accept my bookings either but yeah the main thing from that was just that I guess validating the way you feel was huge and giving yourself that time uh, I think from a purely logistical financial perspective Mm. yeah exactly um, rather than you leave and you're riding that high and you book in straight away yeah (laughs) Uh, as you said it can be addictive and um, you oh, can absolutely. Sort of get this sense of, oh, my God, who else can I see and what can I, oh, my yeah. God, you know, it's so <laughs> magical in this big world. Yeah. So I think that I love the way you, and I know to expect a booking request from you in a few weeks' time. Like I know that that's your system. <laughs> um, and I think that that's really great yeah. to put that on yourself and then you go, okay, I've got a bit of a clearer head now. 
It's not post-orgasm yeah. talking. No. And <laughs> and I'll make a booking at a time that's, you know, yeah. appropriate and that's going to work with my finances as well. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough where I've got uh, one of my closest friends who knows everything about me. Oh, usually and I can... also I me. <laughs> yeah, and she knows a lot about you. Yeah. She can't wait for this episode, actually. Once I leave a booking, like, she'll ring me and I'll probably talk jumble the whole way home but you know we can go everything and which is great to have it's always you know I always have a wonderful time when I'm seeing someone and so it's nice to be able to get that out and share it with someone yeah so I'm really lucky so sweet. and if you I'm, ever were to have a not so great experience as well you've got someone to debrief or someone to talk them through yeah. or and I think that's really valuable as well yeah exactly oh, what I was going to say with the when we we're talking about the misconception about being where I used to think, you know, to be really, really wealthy. I actually paid for my first two bookings using my bank account as a roundup feature for savings. Oh. So if I spend, yeah, it's weird. Huh? So if I spend, That's cool. like, yeah, if I pay yeah. for, spend a dollar on something on my card, yeah. it transfers $4 to a savings yeah. account. So yeah. it rounds to the nearest $5. Yeah. And that's how I paid for my very first two bookings was using that's just great. that roundup. Brilliant. Was that's either so that or a paper run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out there doing your little paper run thank you so much for sharing steve and for really allowing us to probe quite deep into your kind of personal and emotional stuff we really appreciate it thanks so much for having me on well thanks for being here and bye no it's a pleasure thank you so much guys It's time to thank our wonderful patrons. This week we have a new giving somebody and that is Jeff. We have two new very generous somebodies, Steve and the beautiful Alexa Blake. Our even more generous somebodies are Timmy, Andrew, Adam Smith, James E, Lachlan, Sub London, Miss Billy, Nora Knightley, Leslie, Scott Watson, Andrew, our secret admirer, Wheezy, Ellen, Liam, Fritzia Tits, Mr E, Scott C, Simon, Skippy, Our Footstool, Greeny, Ophelia Parker, Aaron, Cobber, and Nomad, and our extremely generous somebodies are Andrew, Aaron, Pete, Sienna Saint, Brino, Adam Moore, Wombat, and B&J. Thank you so much for listening to the voices of the clients of Sex Workers today. We do hope to have some more on in the future because, as you might expect, there is a great variety amongst clients. And I guarantee you that somebody you love is a client of Sex Workers, probably a bunch of people you love. And I mean, if you've ever watched porn, you kind of are too, which is a great segue into a little plug that you should pay for your porn. If you can afford to pay for Netflix, you can afford to pay for porn. Thanks. Bye. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month, and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers, and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker. 